Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Studying many of the books of the Old Testament can be a somewhat tedious task for people. Even those that love God's Word sometimes find it difficult to get through, oh, various books of the Bible. Leviticus, with all of the detail that it offers on the various offerings that were prescribed in the Old Testament, can be such a book. In fact, a lot of believers probably skim through or maybe even skip over this book altogether. But we are seeing that if that's been our case in the past, we have been robbed of some of the most meaningful and helpful passages in all of Scripture to help bring us into a deeper and more enjoyable experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. The key is to see Him as the reality and the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament pictures. We're here for that very purpose once again today, and happy to have Bob Danker joining us. Bob, thanks for being here. Again, Chris, it's a a delight to look at these pictures in the Old Testament. I love all these pictures because, uh, actually, Christ is the reality of all these Old Testament pictures, and this is a Christ that we can experience and enjoy. The trouble, I think, with many of these books, Bob, that people struggle with is they read them without Christ. And uh, if that's our case, we struggle. But if once we have Christ, uh, it's a whole different experience, isn't it? That's right. Christ is the key. Once we see him, uh, then we have everything. Today's message, Bob, deals with the sin offering. And this uh, appears in Leviticus chapter 4. And though we're studying this Old Testament book with its types and pictures, really we'll spend the majority of our time today in the New Testament, seeing how even the order that the offerings are presented in Leviticus as they lead up to the sin offering line up or even coincide with the Christian experience that's developed in the New Testament books. I think this will be a very helpful, very enlightening fellowship for our listeners today, especially those who have been stirred by these messages in Leviticus to really want a deeper experience of Christ. Don't you agree, Bob? I really agree, Chris. Uh, The New Testament, most of us realize, talks about us because we're New Testament believers. Right. But it's a great help to see these pictures in the Old Testament because they help us to enter into a deeper and richer enjoyment of Christ according to what is revealed in the New Testament. So now we're going to see this connection Mm -hmm. between the offerings in Leviticus and our experience in the New Testament. Well, let's get to it. Here's Witness Lee. I uh, really admire uh, the sequence of the arrangement of these five offerings. The divine sequence opens up with the burnt offering, showing us the first thing, the primary thing with us is that we should be absolute for God. Then the meal offering, that we should uh, take Christ as our life supply and we should live 
by him daily. Then we could have peace. This is quite okay. But we have some troubles. That is the sin within and the sins without. Well, this surely need to be dealt with. If you consider the sequence of the five offerings, if you get into the full realization of that sequence, you may say that is a picture of First John chapter 1 in these verses. As we have mentioned already, there in Leviticus, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, those three offerings, burn offering, meal offering, eventually peace offering, bring us into a fellowship with the very God who is light. Think about it. The very issue of these experiences, of these first three kinds of offerings, bring us into a practical fellowship with the triune God who is light. We have the experience. Right away in the light we see that we are sinful. We have sin within, and we have a lot of sins without. Oh, saints, may we, may we be willing to receive the light. May we look to the Lord in this very regard. God is light. God is light. If we say we enjoy Him, we must be in the light. Bob, this is marvelous to see uh, these experiences of the offerings and the sequence, how incredibly significant it is in bringing us into our own experience of Christ, even as it's revealed in uh, this New Testament portion. Maybe you would touch this matter of the experience of the offerings, bringing us into fellowship with God who is the light. This is First John, isn't it? It's First John, chapter 1. Many of us have read these verses. Actually, from our standpoint, we think that the first offering should be the sin offering because we know that we have a problem of sin. Right. But actually, in Leviticus, it's not that way. That's right. It's the burnt offering first, then the meal offering, then the peace offering, then the sin offering and the trespass offering. And this, as Brother Lee pointed out so well, corresponds to our experience in 1 John. In 1 John, the first thing that's mentioned in the first chapter is this matter of fellowship, being in fellowship with God and with one another, mainly with God. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what the first three offerings in Leviticus accomplished for us. The, The burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering usher us into a peaceful enjoyment of Christ with God, which is our fellowship with him. But then we have to realize this God whom we are fellowshipping with is light. So once we enter into his presence and we begin to touch him, and we begin to have fellowship with him, we will begin to experience something, and that is God, who is light, will shine within our inner being. Right. And uh, when God shines within us, mostly we don't see our good qualities. We see many, many negative things that are related to us. And the first thing we see is, oh, this ugly thing called sin. Right. You know, in 1 John, John said, if we say that we don't have sin, 
we lie and are not practicing the truth. The sin mentioned in this verse is not uh, sinful deeds, but it refers to the very nature of sin which is in our flesh. No matter how spiritual we may think we are, we have to remember that we still have the sinful nature. And when we are in fellowship with God and we are experiencing his shining, when we're in the light, the first thing we realize is that we have an evil, sinful nature that is so offensive to God and that causes us so much heartache and suffering. So we realize immediately that we need Christ as our sin offering. That's right. So we begin to enjoy Christ as our sin offering. And of course, since we do have a sinful nature, many, many sins come out of that nature. In the Life Study, Witness Lee said that sin is the mother and sins are the children that issue out of this mother. And we have both. We have the mother and we have the children. For these negative things, we need Christ as our sin offering to deal with our sinful nature, to deliver us from this sinful nature we have, and then also to cleanse us and wash away all our sinful deeds. So this is a marvelous picture here. The first thing we need to do, Chris, is we need to enter into fellowship with God. So we need Christ as a burnt offering, as the meal offering, and as the peace offering. But in this fellowship, we should be prepared to be enlightened by God. And then we realize our need for Christ as our sin offering and our trespass offering. Bob, we've been talking about the relationship here between this portion in Leviticus and uh, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to stay on that line in this coming section, so maybe we'll read a few of these verses. I think it'll be helpful, especially in light of the fellowship you just gave us now, to see it how it lines up so perfectly with this portion of the New Testament. It's a really marvelous picture. Okay, and let me begin reading here at verse 3. And this really coincides, Bob, with the cycle that you just described. Yes, yes. That which we have seen and heard we report also to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write, that our joy may be made full. And this is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from every sin. If we say that we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My little children, and now I go on to chapter 2, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. There's the sin offering, Bob, the trespass offering. That's right, Chris. And in this sequence, we really also have all of the other offerings, the burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering. That's right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. If I do mean business, I would say word from the depth of my being. Lord, how I thank you. I'm still in the presence of your dear self. Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I like to take you as my daily supply. Right away, the light shining. 
something with me, showing me, how about last night? You said something not so good to your wife. And how about last noon time? You criticize so-and-so to a person. How about that? Right away, I made confession. Lord, forgive me of that. Don't wait. You have to say, Lord, have mercy upon me, Lord. Lord, I don't like to walk, live according to this ugly flesh instigated by the enemy. I like to enjoy you, Lord. Tears should come out of your eyes. Have mercy upon me, Lord. I like to walk with you. Father, I still like to take your sin. My dear Lord, as my burnt offering. I cannot be absolute for you, but I can enjoy such a life in him. I right away take him as my burnt offering to offer to you, Father. And I like to take him as my daily food. This will bring you into what? Into the peace offering. Now, now, right at this time, what you need? You need the dear Lord Jesus as your sin offering. Every time after we get into the experience enjoying peace in fellowship with our child God, what will follow? The need of the sin offering will follow. You would confess, my, I never realized I'm so sinful. I'm so sinful, Father. I'm just the totality of sin. I sure need my Lord as my sin for you. If I say I don't have sin, I lie. I'm the biggest liar on this earth. I even dare not to think I have no sin. I dare not to think so. If I think that I don't have sin within me, I'm a liar. And the truth is not within me. So. I will right away take my Christ as my sin offering. By then, I treasure him. Lord, now you are my sin offering. Bob, this was a marvelous word, very touching, very enlightening. I think it really demonstrates how our enjoyment of Christ can be so much expanded through the light that we're receiving in both of these portions of the word in Leviticus and in 1 John. Why don't you continue on this line of fellowship, really, to help us all uh, to experience this rich reality of Christ? Chris, Witness Lee here again referred to this matter of being enlightened by God. Right. God is light, Mm -hmm. and whenever we contact him, he shines within us, and he exposes our sinfulness. And uh, this causes us no doubt, to grieve over our real condition. We see, you know, how sinful our nature is and how contradictory it is to God and his holy and righteous nature. You know, we see what we are in the light of God. But we don't have to stop there. If we only see what we are, then we have no way out. But then we do have a way out because Christ is our sin offering. He is the one who has been crucified in the flesh to deal with our sinful nature. And he's also our trespass offering for all those sinful things we have done. 
All we need to do, according to 1 John, is to confess our sins. This is the most wonderful thing in our experience of the Lord. We should practice it every day. Every day. We should confess our sins. As soon as we are aware that we have offended the Lord in any way, whether great or small, we should immediately make confession to him. Sometimes we'll make confession with great sorrow, even tears in our eyes, realizing what a sinful person we are. But the wonderful thing is when we confess our sins, God is faithful and God is righteous to cleanse us from all our unrighteousnesses. And this restores the peaceful situation between us and God, and we go on enjoying him in the fellowship of life. But then, as we remain in this fellowship, we receive more light. It just seems like this is a cycle. We enjoy the Lord in fellowship. We receive the light. We see we're sinful. We confess our sinfulness and our sinful deeds. We take Christ as our offerings to take care of our problem. And then we go on having more fellowship with God and enjoy him more and more. But then the light comes again and again. It's a cycle that brings us on and on in our experience of Christ. And this is such a rich rich thing, because the more we experience Christ as our sin offering and our trespass offering, the more we are ushered into a deeper, richer fellowship and enjoyment of Christ with God in this wonderful fellowship that we have. Bob, I'm very impressed by uh, the point you made in this fellowship about this cycle and how the fellowship with God brings us into more light, which makes us more aware of our sinful condition, which causes us to confess, which restores the fellowship. And this marvelous cycle takes us on and on deeper and deeper into really the genuine experience of Christ. I bring it up because a confusing teaching that exists in Christendom that I would like to address here because it's so uh, important to our experience. There is a teaching, Bob, that says that once we receive the Lord Jesus and receive him as the full payment for our sins, there's no need to confess. In fact, we shouldn't be confessing sins, that that payment of Christ takes care of the record once for all. Address this in light of the cycle of life and fellowship that we see in First John. Yes, Chris, it is true that Christ's one offering and sacrifice for our sins is eternally effective before God. But we find that in our experience, we still need the instant application in our daily life of this cleansing, which the Lord has accomplished once for all. So First John helps us in this matter because the sin and the sins that are spoken about in First John refer to the very sin and sins that we still have. After we are saved. That's right. This is not spoken to unbelievers. These words are spoken to the believers, those who have been regenerated already. All these verses that you read, Chris, at the end of chapter 1 of First John and at the beginning of chapter 2, they're written to Christians. That's right. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Who is this anyone sins? That's us, the believers. And if we confess our sins, who's this written to? Is this written to unbelievers? Not at all. It's written to the believers. So although Christ's one sacrifice for sin on the cross is eternally effective, in our daily living, we need to apply this eternally effective sacrifice again and again and again. And if we do this, 
We will see there will be a great result. We will have a deeper, richer enjoyment of the Lord, and we will grow in life. Bob, let me expand it this way, if I might, and jump in here at any point. Our day-to-day sins that we commit after we're saved, after we've received eternal salvation and eternal forgiveness, those sins do not affect our eternal security. Uh, That blood of Christ that was applied to us the moment we believed really has taken care of that matter once for all. But they certainly do have the effect of interrupting the fellowship we are enjoying with God day by day. That is exactly right. And this is really where that instant confession that you talked about earlier has such an application, isn't it? That's right, Chris. God's goal is not just to give us an eternal salvation that saves us from his eternal judgment. God's goal is to dispense himself into us day by day so that we will grow in his divine life and mature in this life. In order for us to reach God's goal, we must remain in the fellowship of life with him. And our sins, which we commit as believers, as you said, they interrupt this fellowship. So somehow we must restore this fellowship. What is the way to acknowledge, yes, I still have a sinful nature. Even though I'm a Christian, a believer, I still have a sinful nature. And I have so many sins that issue or come out of that sinful nature. So I must confess all my sins. If we will do this, we will see our fellowship with the Lord will just be going on and on and on. And we will grow in his life and we will fulfill his purpose. Bob, I felt it was worthwhile to take the extra time today on this topic because it is so critical, and I think it's an area where the enemy is lurking. Uh, First, he condemns us and accuses us to destroy and hamper that fellowship, trying to lead us away from the effectiveness of the blood of Christ. But then he may uh, distract us with another kind of thought that, oh, I don't need to confess, but as we read, if we say that we have no sin, we're liars, Bob. That's right. We don't want to be liars. We want to walk in the light and practice the truth. As we walk in the light, we can practice the truth. So the goal of all of these offerings and our study of them is not just that we would have more biblical doctrinal knowledge, but we really want to be brought and led into this genuine experience of Christ day by day and moment by moment. Absolutely. That's what I need and desire, and I believe our listeners also desire the same thing. I think the life study message that accompanies this program, Bob, would be a big help for any of our listeners that are uh, interested. And I cannot imagine a Christian out there who is serious that would not have an interest in such a topic as this. This is such a real and present uh, part of our daily experience, the battle with sin and sins and how to go on and maintain that fellowship with Christ. This is meaningful, valuable material, isn't it? Absolutely. You can receive this Life Study message and all of the ones that we've been covering in Leviticus. If you contact us, let me give you our toll-free number. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. 
Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee, as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.